Hey guys, Joe Miles here with ICO Gear. This is the Mission Whitetail Podcast. We're going to be doing a deep dive into what it truly takes to kill these mature bucks. We're going to step outside the box and look at the why for gear, tactics, training, and more importantly, the mindset from over 35 years of chasing these magnificent animals all over North America. Thank you for following along and welcome to Mission Whitetail. Welcome back, guys. Mission Whitetail, episode 44. Got Lucas here with me today. Going to chime in with any questions. Going to start off, guys, this is going to be a little bit probably shorter podcast today, and simply because we are wrapping up our Black Friday sale at Osseo, and Thanksgiving was last week, and I've got a lot to be thankful for. The, the Black Friday sale, I mean, more than I ever dreamed. I mean, it, it was absolutely insane. I mean, we blew our goal out of the water for the month of November. We're not even done with the month of November yet. And just so thankful. I, I know a lot of guys that wish listen to the Mission Whitetail podcast are supporters of Osseo and run the gear and like the gear. And just amazing to me that something can go from an idea – you know, in the woods on, on something that I'm so passionate about, you know, white, whitetail bow hunting, mm-hmm. and then get it started and have it come to where it's come now. I mean, we, we had our, our warehouse. We moved into a bigger warehouse this year, and literally you could not walk through there in August for all the inventory that was yeah. in there. And it's a big warehouse. Oh, yeah. And, and now it almost looks like a, 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 a graveyard. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's pretty empty. And which is just, it's just unbelievable. And, and I just want to thank everybody that supports us and that has, you know, been part of the, the growth of Osseo. So thank you all for that. The podcast, but because of we've got so much work to do there at the office getting these orders out, Lucas and I are going to have to cut out a little early here and get back to the office and help the team. But a couple announcements to start with. Um, my season so far has been pretty good. Got the deer early in South Carolina in velvet. Got the buck in Texas, that 161-inch crazy eight-pointer. That's really neat. And then Kentucky was first morning in. We hunted that afternoon. Then we got the 10-point coming through the funnel on the first morning in. So that was a great hunt. And then went to Kansas. Had a little bit of a grind there, seven, eight days of hunting. And, again, another funnel uh, hunt and we killed a 160 inch nine point at mm-hmm. four steps. Yeah. So looking forward to Lucas putting that footage together. We're going to get it all put together and uh, again shot him at at four steps. And it's so funny. We did a season update or maybe it was just a post while we were out there talking about shooting a buck with the first ethical shot that you get. Yep. And the shot on this buck at four yards is quartering two, or it's almost facing us. Mm-hmm. And he, he turns his head and gives me jugular, spine, junction of the shoulder, front side lung. Mm-hmm. And at four yards, I can just about put the arrow, you know, on a, on a 
pinhead. Yeah. And so I, I shot him exactly where I wanted to hit him. And, and I'm sure some people, the ethical shot police, are going to have some things to say about that. But the proof is in the pudding. I actually hit jugular, spine, shoulder junction, and lung with that arrow. I hit everything. And people are going to say, yeah, but what if you were an inch high or inch low? Well, you know, in, with this angle, if I had been an inch high or in, inch low, it would have hit one of the, you know, one of them. It would have either hit the spine, it would have either hit the jugular, it would have either hit the shoulder junction, or it would have gotten into the lungs. Yep. So it, it was a devastating, lethal shot, and I, I took it because it was the first ethical shot that I'm comfortable with. Um, so, so anyway, I don't want to get off on a tangent there, but that's kind of – where we are right now, um, I'm going to get into South Carolina stuff here in a little bit. I um, want to talk about where, where we're headed Sunday. Lucas and I are headed to Mexico. Yep. Pre-rut will just be getting going down there, so it'll be like starting over again. <laughs> you know, the rut in the Midwest is winding down, and the rut in South Carolina is super weird. You know, it gets going really the 1st of October, and, man, it'll run all the way to – you still see – bucks chasing and scrapes open in January. So it's huh. a it's a wild rut here. You know, we, we get deer coming out of spots in late July, and we've got deer in spots in September. So mm-hmm. it, it, it does are bred and fawns are born, you know, in, in really a, a three-month period, whereas like in the Midwest and Canada, you know, they all drop within a couple weeks of each other. And, and here they, they drop within – three months of each other it's yeah. it's wild um, but but it you know it it lends itself to some some cool stuff you, you get chasing and rut activity for a long period of time and and then you get pockets where there's nothing at all going on and it's it's a typical late season thing so it's mm-hmm. south carolina you know weird weather weird rut behavior but it's a it's a fun state to hunt and we're going to get into south carolina hunting here in a minute i just wanted to update guys with you know headed into mexico and We'll be down there this for the 3rd through the 8th of December and then back again with kind of a family father-son trip. Lucas will be back on that one too that's around the 16th or 17th of of December. And that's one that I, I really look forward to. You know, Jack gets out of school, get to hunt with my son. I've got my college roommate and his whole family going. So going to kind of be a family affair down there, and, and that's always a lot of fun. And I love – hunting that, that South Texas, Mexico in December, wild, crazy rut, snort wheezing, grunting, you know, bucks running everywhere, fighting. I mean, you're going to see all of it. Yeah. And and to me, it's it's a low-pressure hunt. You're going to see a lot of deer. You see a lot of bucks. You, you know, it's it's not a grind. It, it's a real fun not, – not that the other stuff is not fun. I enjoy the grind. I enjoy the trying to outwit deer and, and – you know, figuring stuff out, and and here it's it's more of a a relaxed hunt. You know, hunting out of tower type stands. It's and, and I I like it all. You know, fr- from that I'll call that like a gentleman hunt. You, you know, where it's you you drive out twenty minutes before uh, daylight. You, you get into your stand, and and the deer just flood in, and then you know you repeat the thing in the afternoon, and it's just relaxed and a lot of action, and a lot of fun. And it's wild whitetails, and it's a different style of hunting. And then you look at how we do things in the Midwest, you know, in the rut, and we're, we're grinding and, you know, 4 a.m. wake-up calls, staying up till 9, 10 o'clock at night, and, you know, 
freezing cold weather and wind blowing like crazy and deer disappearing on you, you know, all the, all the drama that goes into that. And then the stuff here in South Carolina where the deer yep. aren't super big, but you know, they're cagey. They're smart. They're some of the smartest deer I've ever hunted and they're, they're a super challenge. So Mexico is, is next for us. Uh, let's see. A, a big announcement at Mission Whitetail is Bobby Worthington and I are going to be putting on a course or seminar. And this is the first announcement of that. It's going to happen in March. And guys that don't know Bobby Worthington, he is a mentor to me. He and I have become good friends. We hunted in Kansas together this year over the last really year, year and a half. I met him through Don Higgins. And Bobby is probably the best woodsman I know mm -hmm. that I've ever met, ever walked in the woods with. He came to Kentucky and spent some time with me. And, you, you know, you, you hear about guys that, that are, you know, incredible at what they do, right? Yeah. And, and you never really know until you get out in the woods and pr pretty quick you can, you can see, you know, what's, what's going on, if, yeah. it's, if it's all theory or if it's actual, this guy's yeah. the real deal and been in the thick of things. Yeah. And Bobby is the real deal. Uh, his philosophy on hunting is it's, it seems like really simple, but it's, 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 I guess he has simplified it, and it is a system of hunting. During, I've talked about I'm not going to get into all that um, because we've talked about it on many other podcasts and had Bobby on. And, guys, if you haven't listened to the two podcasts we've done with Bobby Worthington, I highly recommend going back. Um, this is going to be a super limited uh, course. Bobby's getting a little older. He's, he's pushing 70. But, guys, if you ever wanted to elevate your knowledge and you're open-minded and you do any rut funnel or you want to understand how to hunt the rut, you struggle with the rut, you hunt in hill country, we're going to be up at his place, his stomping grounds. It's going to be a two-day course. Get in the evening before, have dinner, kind of a powwow, and then two – two days, one half day in a classroom going through how Bobby does everything. And I'm going to be talking about some technical stuff and, and tactical stuff about bow setups and, and helping out as well. And then we're going to be in the field looking at Bobby's actual setups where he's killed deer, uh, where he has set up funnels, let guys go out and, and – you know, kind of let guys go through a block of woods and pick out the tree they would be in, and then Bobby's going to come in and, and say, this is where you need to set up. So it's going to be fixated or really focused on rut, rut funnels, setting up your tree stand, how to set up your tree stand properly, how to properly put in mock scrapes in a funnel, how to access, how to get out of there, and, and that entire process, and it's going to be immersed in two days of just nonstop knowledge from, from Bobby Worthington. So, guys, if you're interested in that, we've opened it up. Really, th this is the first mention of it, and we're going to open it to our Mission Whitetail listeners first, and then we'll open it up to the whole ICO family. We'll get it into our ICO buyers group, 
And I'm, I'm guessing the thing's going to fill up pretty much overnight once this hits the air. Um, I think it's only going to be 10 or 12 guys. Um, th- there was talks about maybe doing two of them back-to-back weekends. It will be on a weekend, so it'll be get in on Friday night and then do all day Saturday and then do all day Sunday until 5, and then we'll, we'll be out of there. And it will be in Pikeville, Kentucky, mm-hmm. and it will be during the month of March. And there was talks about possibly doing maybe back-to-back weekends if if we get a – you know, a fest for, you know, a lot, a lot of guys wanting to get involved with it. But I, I can't um, stress if you want to really be around a legend in the in the sport of whitetail bow hunting and somebody that's an eight-time world champion uh, traditional shooter and just see how he does things and his woodsmanship skills and his – Really, seventy years of, of being in the hills and being in the whitetails wor- in the whitetail world, this is an opportunity to do that. So, guys, if you're interested in it, want more information, email me at joe at icogear.com, and I can get you the pricing and the dates, and we'll we'll get you set up on that. So that's an update that we wanted to do. Let's see the main things I wanted to talk about today. Nocturnal bucks, relying on trail cameras too much, mm-hmm. and late rut strategy. Those are the things I want to dive into, and those are complex, complicated topics that a ton of people, including me, battle every year. Yep. Nocturnal bucks. That, that's probably one of the, the biggest problems guys have. It's a problem that I have, and I get more messages on Facebook and Instagram about, hey, I've got this big deer. He's only coming through at night. A lot of it is bait pile. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll get pictures of, you know, deer, mature bucks coming to bait piles at 3 o'clock in the morning, and the guy's like, how do I, how do I kill him? Yeah. That might not be a nocturnal buck. That might be a buck that knows better than to coming into a bait pile you know, in daylight, yeah. you know, he, as a button buck, he saw his mom get shot. He's gone in another time and seen a two-year-old get shot and, and he's learned, yeah, I want to eat that stuff, but I ain't going in there at daylight. Yep. Um, bait pile hunting is a complex topic. I'm not going to get into, into that today. Um, you know, it just, a lot of that goes on. We talk about the, the three C's, right? Mm-hmm. The cell cams, crossbows, and corn piles, CCC. <laughs> and, you know, it's a legal way of hunting, and a lot of guys, you know, do that. Um, and it's just it's just a different style. We're not going to get into that. What, what, let's focus on nocturnal bucks. And I want to dive into this deer that I'm hunting here in South Carolina right now. Uh, I've got his – I've talked about him a few times, I think, on the podcast and certainly during the Mission Whitetail season update. This buck – is I've gotten one good daylight picture of him. I've gotten a couple pictures of him right at daylight. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can just see the, the sky breaking in the background. Maybe you could shoot then, and it was at a scrape. It was passing through some gobbler saltus, and that's it. I got one picture of him. 
let's see, two days ago at 8 a.m. And I was convinced that he was living in a giant cutover. And when I say cutover, I mean five-year-old cutover that you'd have to wear Kevlar to walk through. It would rip your clothes off of you because of the briars. Man. And so that, that I had determined that's where he's living. Yep. I still think that. There, there's a, in the back of my mind, I think maybe he's living across the river and he's swimming onto this property and looking for does, and then he's leaving mm-hmm. during the night. But in all the trail camera pictures I get of him, he's never wet. And I've got a lot of cameras along the river, and he's never wet. He's got muddy feet, and but but he's in the swamp, right? Yeah. So he's walking through ditches and through mud all day long, but his body's never wet. So, And I'll get pictures of him right at daylight or right, you know, 30 minutes after dark, and if he was swimming across the river, he should still be wet. Yeah. I still think it may be possible there may be a sandbar or something that he's coming across and he's only getting wet from like his brisket down. Yep. So I'm I'm convinced he's living in this cutover. History of the deer, last year got pictures of him. He was a lot more daylight. He would daylight on food, he would daylight on scrapes. Uh I had been traveling a good bit, had been in Kansas and Texas and Mexico, and I got back in December, and my plan was to hunt him the second half of December. And he broke off of G2, and I decided not to hunt him anymore. And I got pictures of him after the season, and I said, okay, South Carolina, that's going to be my focus. I'm going to try to kill him in velvet early. Got all my cameras out in velvet, no no pictures of him this year. So I, I didn't think he was around. Ended up shooting a nice eight-point in velvet. And like every year, when they come out of velvet, different bucks show up. And sure enough, sawtooth, there's a gobbler sawtooth kind of orchard, if you will, that's on this property. And those things, we didn't get a lot of them this year. They they didn't make. I don't know if the – I need a tree expert to tell me this. But um, I don't know if they got a lot of moisture, too much moisture this year to make or not enough moisture at the right time. But – only a small handful of those sawtooths made this year, any any crop at all, any acorns at all. And they normally drop in August, which they did, but it wasn't a lot of them. And towards the end of August, after I, once those deer coming out of velvet yep. and those sawtooths were dropping, I got a picture of him, 3 huh. o'clock in the morning. I said, okay, he's alive. Yep. So then I scatter the property with text cams and I'm getting a few pictures of him all in the middle of the night no rhyme or reason from one end of the property to the other and we're talking about 2200 acres we're not talking about 60 acres it's a property that my best friend owns and, and he lets me treat it like it's mine to bow hunt I'm very fortunate and lucky to do that um, but but it, it's plenty of ground for this deer to live on yeah. And and he is in there and I'm getting picture after picture after picture of him a, as the rut starts picking up. Once yep. those scrapes start opening up, I'm getting scrape pictures of him. There's quite a few other guys that hunt down there. There's a lot of feeders, there's a lot of corn piles and the caretaker, the the head caretaker down there, 
he brings me a picture of the deer and it's like, have you seen this buck? And I'm, <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, I, I have seen him and I am actively hunting him. And, and he's like, well, I am too. So, and, and rightly so, right? The, yeah. the, the family hunts down there some. A lot of the guys that take care of the property hunt. So there's a lot of people hunting down there, and there's you know several people hunting this buck, including him. And 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 he is he's a great dude and shares information. He says that buck has been hitting his corn pile at night, um, three o'clock in the morning, and and coming through there. And it, it's no different than what I'm seeing yeah. on the scrapes and trails. And so, how how do you kill him? Right, he he's yep. a nomad. He's not bedding in the same place every night. Yeah, because I see I get pictures of him at six a.m. half a mile from where I got pictures of him at six a.m. You know, a week ago. <laughs> so he's he's a nomad. He he ranges all over the place. Yep. He won't come to corn bait in daylight. He completely avoids that. So I said, okay, he is living. It's like what my dad told me when I was little. The bigger deer are going to get in the thickest, nastiest place they can, especially when there's pressure, yep. and you're going to have to kill them on the edge of that. And that was something that he told me when I was 10, 12 years old. Mm-hmm. So just kind of went back to that. There are no funnels. This property, I, I talk about – you know, around the edge of the duck pond, this this fenced in, you know, it forces them certain ways. And I have gotten some pictures. I've got cameras on the edges of those duck ponds, and he, he does come through there sometimes at night. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my, my thinking was, okay, I'm going to go in, get super mobile, and take cameras, take my mobile setup, and when I go into a certain area around this cutover to hunt – try to get him coming out or going in, I'm going to hang a camera, I'm going to hunt, I'm going to hunt that day, hunt that afternoon, depending on what I see, break down after the morning hunt, move to another location, put another camera up. And that that's pretty much what I have done. Mm-hmm. Nothing has changed, Lucas. <laughs> Same thing. I'm not seeing him in daylight. I'm not blowing him out of there because I'm yeah. still getting pictures of him at night. That's good. But, but he's still... Dadgum, Roman is so frustrating because there's some nights he'll go by six or seven different cameras. My goodness. But then at 5.30 in the morning, I'll get one last picture of him, and I'm, and I'm like, okay, he's going back in the cutover. But then the, the next day, I'll get a 5.30 in the morning picture of him, and he'll be a 1,000 yards, oh, half a mile away from the cutover. Like, where's <laughs> – Where's yeah. he going? Yeah. So I get this 8 a.m. picture of him, and I'm sure he was looking for a doe, yep. or he was with a doe, and I, I missed – she ran by the camera, yeah. and then it was just a, a fleeting picture of him um, 8 a.m. in the morning. So he's he's after a doe, which makes sense, right? Yep. And, and that's probably how that deer will get killed. He will end up following a hot doe by a rifle stand somewhere, and a rifle hunter will end up shooting him, or I will be fortunate enough to get him following a doe. But what, what do you do, right? How do you, how do you kill this nocturnal nomad buck? And the way you kill him is you keep your butt in the stand. Yep. If, if I had been in the stand near that camera at 8 a.m., I'd have had him. Yep. Okay, so, so the key 
is sitting in nocturnal bucks that, that aren't on necessarily a bait pile, mm-hmm. that you're getting natural travel pictures of those things consistently, that you know he's living on the property that you can hunt. Yep. The way you kill him is being mobile, moving from location to location, and stacking the odds in your favor. Yep. If you rely on these cameras, you're going to be one step behind always. Yep. And that is what I catch myself doing and a lot of guys doing is they start hunting through the camera yeah. because it is convenient and easy. Yep. It's easy to wake up in the morning and go through your text camera pictures, right? Mm-hmm. And say, okay, yeah, he's still coming through at night. I'm not hunting yet. He's still coming through at night. I'm not hunting yet. He's still coming through at night. I'm not hunting yet. Mm -hmm. And then, boom, you get an 8 a.m. picture. Well, if I'd been hunting, now I couldn't. I had a work conflict that day, so I couldn't hunt that day. But that is, to me, the key to killing these nocturnal bucks that live on your property. They're moving somewhere in daylight. Mm -hmm. They're getting up and feeding. Now, if he's living in that, let's call it a, 300-acre cut up. Man, it's not that big. Let's call it a 100-acre mm-hmm. cut over. It, there are no trees in there to hang in. Um, there are some giant oaks out in the middle of it that didn't get cut, but there's like four or five. Yeah. Too, too big to get a stand in. You couldn't get to it. If you walked in that thing, you're going to blow every deer out of there. Yeah. So what I am focused on right now is hunting the edge of that cut over. There are some big trails coming out of there with some rubs. I've got cameras hung on them, and, yeah, I've gotten a picture or two of him coming out of there. Um, but but it would be 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. All right, so traditionally you think, okay, he should be going back in there at 5.30 in the morning. Yeah. I've yet to get a picture of him going in there at 5.30 <laughs> in the morning. But they're all around. They're yeah. around there. So, And he's not entering it on the same trail every morning. Yeah, I'm. I am convinced now. Like the tracks, Buck. I'll, I'll probably get a picture of him somewhere at some time later in the year once the rut is is kind of dwindling down again in South Carolina. I can't tell you when it ends, but <laughs> when it slows, I'll probably get a picture of him some weird place, and he'll be living right behind a tractor shed or something something like that. But um, that that is what I'm going with now is that he's living in that big cutover, and I'm going to spend my time when I can hunt hunting the trails and the edges and the habitat junctions and the scrapes yep. that are coming out or going in to that big cutover. Yeah. And I'm going to keep my cameras going. I'm not turning them off, but I'm not letting – that can put a negative mindset, the cameras can. They can put a negative mindset in the, I'm only getting pictures of him at night. I'm not getting any pictures of him. Yeah. This buck will be gone, you, you know, for gone. That's the wrong word. He won't, I won't get any pictures of him for seven or eight days. Yeah. I'm like, all right, he's been killed. He's across the river. And then, boom, I'll get three nights in a row of him. I, I said it earlier, him, him passing seven or eight of my cameras. Yeah. And so it, it can be, you know, it can almost be to the point where you want to throw the towel in, but that's, this would be the prize of, of the season for sure, yep. this buck, you know, for many seasons. Yep. Because 
I've had so many quote unquote trail camera encounters with him. Mm-hmm. There's other guys hunting him. Um, there's guys rifle hunting him. He's there. There's bait out. Uh, there's corn piles. There's feeders. There's food plots. I mean, there's a lot going on. Yeah. A lot of guys with rifles. I mean, it, if I could get him, it really would be, you know, just absolutely kind of a, a pinnacle type deer. Yeah. Because there's so there's so much going on there, and I don't know if it's that he's so clever. Or, or if that's just his nature and what's kept him alive, mm-hmm. constantly moving, constantly changing areas, and then moving, obviously moving at night has kept him alive because nobody hunts down there at night. Yeah. <laughs> or they, that, not that I yeah. know of. Um, so that's what I'm going to be doing. Yeah. I, I'm going to be moving from area to area, and my process is when I go to do that, I'm going to take one or two trail cameras with me when I go. Mm-hmm. So when I go in to hunt an area, I'm going to drop a camera and drop my stand. Yep. And then I will hunt there depending on what kind of action I get. If I get a bunch of does coming through there, I might stick there for a couple of days. Yeah. You know, if they're coming out of that cutover or going in that cutover, I feel like that's a good natural lure for yeah. him. Um, if, if it's dead, if I get nothing, then I'm going to break down and move. I want to, I want to, keep moving and and normally you know i am a rut funnel guy mm-hmm. where you can have r- funnels yeah. but here the funnels are so hard i want to circle back to that for a minute some of the areas that i have picked out that i'm going to set up on on this giant cutover they're edges between pines and the cutover they're edges between pines hardwoods mm-hmm. and the cutover uh and and really there there's a edge that is cut over a small block of hardwood and then the actual river mm-hmm. so and, and i walked in there thinking all right th- this is going to be ripped up with sign yeah and i get in there and it's a bit of a letdown mm-hmm. quite a few tracks some trails but but th- this whole property doesn't get a lot of rut sign. There's not yeah. a ton- there's not a lot of uh, rubs. Yep. There, there's some, but there's not a lot. Like like you know, we were in Kansas when we walked into that that oh, rut yeah. funnel we hunted. It, it was insanity. Yeah, like like nothing I've ever seen <laughs> before. It was like every cedar tree was ripped apart. There were scrapes every fifty feet. Yep. I mean, it wasn't it. I mean, it was yeah. it was crazy. Was, it was I mean, it, it was an absolute no brainer. All we had to figure out was access and wind direction yeah and we were gonna we were gonna eventually kill a buck yep we just sit there with that south wind blowing into that river off that bluff they, they couldn't smell us yeah. and it was just a matter of time yep um here that that ain't the case yeah you know you, you can walk this whole property and see 15 20 rubs on 2200 acres and there's a few big deep gnarly rubs but most of them are just little saplings because the buck doe ratio is so messed up you know, it's probably, and it's not because of the way they manage this property. They manage this property great. They shoot a ton of does off of it. It's the surrounding properties. Hmm. You know, th- there may be, you know, I know of 1,200 acres next door that they'll shoot 10 or 12 bucks on in one doe. And that goes on for years and years and yeah. years. And so the buck doe ratio is way out of hand. I-, I wouldn't be surprised if it's seven or nine to one 
So there's no competition. Yeah. Which is another thing that hurts with this nocturnal nonsense that this buck is doing is he knows that he can come out of wherever he is, which I'm going to say is his cutover at night. He can grab a doe. He can go back in that cutover. Or when these does are ready to be bred, they, they may be finding him. Yeah. Right? They may be coming in the cutover and finding him, and he doesn't have to leave it yep. in, in, in daylight, because and, and he doesn't have to fight. Yeah. There are some – I've gotten some trail camera pictures of some fights. Um, you know, we heard that giant buck fight when we were oh, in yeah. Kansas in that cornfield, and they, they were going at it. Oh, brother. yeah. I mean, it was insane. <laughs> it was like two guys beating boat paddles. <laughs> um, and we, all we could see was the, you know, movement. We couldn't yeah. see how big they were or what they were. Um, but you don't get a lot of that here because the competition is not that great. Yep. You know, you're, you're having two-year-old bucks that are, that are getting in on the action because these, these mature bucks are getting all the, all the does they want. Now, there's yeah. a little bit of aggressiveness that goes on, but there's not the competition, which also hurts with them. You know, if, you know like the tracks in Kansas, there's not a huge deer density out there, mm-hmm. so you get a lot of rut daytime movement. Yep. You know, I got that giant eight-point coming through that funnel on the tracks yeah. multiple times in daylight. Mm-hmm. Because he's he's having to search really hard for does, so that's my that's my philosophy here. I'm going to get to hunt a little bit this week for this buck. Then we're going to uh, w- w- funny. I, I got a 3:30 a.m. picture of him coming out of the cutover, which I was sure this is where he was going in and out. And I got a 3 a.m. picture of him coming out of the cutover, <laughs> which means. He ain't coming out of there yeah. right at dark, and he ain't going back in there this morning right at daylight. So, I, I mean, once again, it just is another what the heck is going on here. Yeah. But that's going to be my plan for the next few days before we go to Mexico and then we get home from Mexico. That's how I'm going to attack this deer, and obviously we'll keep everybody posted if we if we get a crack at him or we do start getting some daylight on what happens there. But – that's how I'm going to tackle that deer in a southern kind of rut, no funnel, flat, giant hardwoods, river swamp, cutovers, nothing to funnel them down. Yep. I'm going to focus on those edges that are coming out of the cutovers, and I'm going to bounce from spot to spot to spot and kind of stack the deck. And the key to it, is going to be not relying on the cameras other than knowing that he's still there. Yep. And spending time in the tree. Yep. I've gotten zero middle-of-the-day pictures of him. <laughs> so I'm not going to grind and do all-day sits. Yeah. You know, I'm going to sit until 10 o'clock in the morning, and then I'm going to get in there at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon and sit till dark. Because yep. there's nothing that has showed me that I need to sit in there all day. Yeah. Um, in the middle of the day, even though the rut is going on, he is in that cutover or he is way away from wherever yeah. I'm chasing him. Yeah, no sense no sense in putting more scent in there than, than you need need to. Yeah, I, I, I think that's absolutely right. Is And, and no, no reason to kill yourself until it's time to kill yourself. Yeah. Now, if I, if, if I get some crazy... Uh, I get some crazy picture of him in the middle of the day, then absolutely I will get back in there in the middle of the day and we will um we'll hunt him all day. 
And the, the issue with South Carolina is it's kind of winding down, right? The season is winding down. We go to January 1st. Mm-hmm. You know I've got a week in Mexico <clears throat> or two weeks in Mexico. So that's really going to limit us to about 10, 12, maybe 14 days of actual hunting time that we can put into this buck. Yep. But we're going to give it all we got. Yeah. Late rut, if I was in the Midwest, you know, I hear lots of guys talk about struggling with rut in the late rut, and that's really now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my buddy Chris Seymour is, is posting some stuff about it still rolling out there. Um, if you listen to the Don Higgins rut report, Thanksgiving week's really good. We're getting to the end of Thanksgiving week. We don't have much longer in the Midwest. Yeah. But the, the, the key, again, late rut, those big mature deer are looking for those last does. Mm-hmm. And it is a great opportunity to kill a giant. Yeah. Uh, hopefully he's not broken up. Uh, but, but they will be cruising hard. Um, so if, if, if you're not completely burnt out and you got any vigor left to, to get out there and, and do some all-day sits, yeah, the weather's brutal, yep. but, man, can it pay off this time of year. I mean, yeah. I, I, I certainly don't look forward to this time of year. It means that I've hunted my butt off the entire rut, and I'm going to have to grind late like this. Yeah. But this is, you know, around that 7th when the weather's right is normally the best time, but – the second best time is now, yep. in my opinion, and what I've experienced in the Midwest is that late rut because they know, they're they really letting their guard down. Um, they're, they're, they're hungry for those last does. They're not able to find them. They know it's coming to an end, mm-hmm. and they're, they're searching like mad. Yeah. And, and there's a window from, from now until really I – mean, it can stretch. You know, you get rifle season in, in Kansas. It starts around the 3rd of December – with still some rut action, but it's going to be tapering out pretty quick, and that'll be the end of it. Yep. And then we'll transition into late season hunting, yep. which will be Ohio for us if if we're able to do it. Mm-hmm. Adam's Adam and I have a lease up there, and then I've got that thirty seven acre parcel that that Jeff's uh, agreed to let me hunt late season as well. So we'll keep we'll keep an eye on Ohio late season, and we'll, we'll get into late season maybe on the next next podcast. Maybe we'll get Heath Cisco on next time and let him come in. He's he's a late season killing machine out of Ohio. He'll they call him the Ice Man, and <laughs> and uh, maybe we'll get him on to talk about doing some late season hunting because that I won't say that's his expertise, but he's really good at at late season hunting and and you know with us transitioning into that time of year that's probably what we'll do on the next podcast. Yep. But recap boys, I, I'm sorry this is a little shorter than normal but Lucas and I have got to get back to the office. Bobby Worthington Mission Whitetail course. If you're interested in that, Joe Mile Joe, sorry, Joe at com. email me about that. Um we've got uh Mexico hunts coming up. Mm-hmm. Excited about that. From what I understand, the moisture was good, so they would have made some pretty good horns down there this year. So that's exciting. Going to be hitting that rut. So keep everybody updated with that. Nocturnal bucks. Time in the stand. Yep. You hear that a lot. Like like early season and late season. That is the exact opposite. I, I'm going to do as little time in the stand as I can. That is a hundred percent ambush. That's a seam in daylight get in there the next afternoon and kill him or get out of there. 
mm-hmm. um, that, because they're they're so patternable. They're they're hitting the pattern and you, of feet of bed to food, bed to food. Yep. And so you 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 don't want to upset that pattern if you can. So those are quick strike ambushes, um, pre rut rut when the weather's right. Time in the stand, time in the funnel. You don't have funnels <laughs> like we don't have here. You got a nocturnal buck. You got a lot of hunting pressure. You got a lot of guys hunting. I mean, you have stacked the deck against you. Yeah. But the way to kill him is to spend time in the stand, be mobile, keep moving. And and I guess the tactic here is take a camera with you. Mm-hmm. You know, take a camera with you when you go into these mobile setups because you're you're hunting the trails and the edges. You know, you're you're hunting those those edges which which quote unquote are the funnel or those deer like to hit those edges. So that's what you're that's what you're doing is you're you're being mobile and so drop a camera in there, especially, you know, the text cams. Um, you're, you're already going in and setting up the place to hang your stand. Throw one in there. Hide the camera really well with with branches or lay some logs up against them. You know, we, we've talked about that before. Try to hide them like you're hiding them from a person, yeah. the, the actual trail camera. And, you know, that's, that's what we're going to be doing. Mm-hmm. And then don't, you know, it's, it's kind of a, Catch twenty two, if you will. We we talk about not relying on the camera, but we're using the camera for intel. Yep. I guess don't get in the mindset of I'm not getting daylight pictures on trails, on scrapes, on rubs, on bait, whatever you may have them out there on. Don't don't get the mindset that I'm not going to hunt because I'm not getting daylight pictures. Yep. Right. Still use the cameras, but but this time of year, get out and hunt. Yeah. Right. You, you you've got to because. Our season is winding down. Yeah, you know I'm seeing a lot of posts of oh I'm getting burnt out. The grind is killing me, man. Come January 15th in South Carolina, you're gonna wish that you grinded a little more. Yeah, because the season's gonna be out. Yeah, got to wait all the way to August before we can get going, or you got to go to a different state. Yeah, and and hunt. So, yet stay in the game, stay positive, time in the stand, be mobile. Don't let the cameras frustrate you, and keep digging. That's, I mean, it literally this time of year, you know, the old saying, you're not going to kill him on the couch. That, that's very true. Yep. Get, get in the stand and, and move if you don't have funnels. If, you, if you're fortunate and you've got the funnel, yep. you've got the actual funnel, you're in the Midwest, then it's a simple process. Yeah. Right there. Yep. Right in that funnel. Yep. I, I was texting Bobby this morning, and he's hunted the same dadgum stand for I don't know how many days in a row. And he's had his buck come through there at night. He's got a camera in his funnel, and he's he's riding in that funnel. And I bet you, dollars to donuts, he's either going to kill that buck in there, or a rifle hunter, or somebody else is going to get him. But he's he's on him, yeah. so he's rotting in that funnel. <laughs> so that's it, guys. We appreciate it. Again, if you're interested in that course, email Joe at osiogear.com. Lucas, you got anything? Nothing. All right. Well, we're going to be headed to Mexico Sunday and. We'll be updating everything on Instagram and Facebook, and hopefully we'll get a buckshot down there and be able to celebrate and share it with you guys. Boys, we appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Hope you had a good one, and we will talk soon. Yep. Thanks, boys.